This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Hello and welcome. How you guys doing? Yes. I go for one woo every time I do that. Thank you, sir. Also want to welcome all our campuses and everyone online watching us. If you would please stand with me. We're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning, it is my privilege to be able to introduce uh, our special guest today. To be honest, he's more than a guest. If you've been here for a while, you know he's pretty much family around here. So if you would, please put your hands together as we welcome Reverend Jimmy Bratcher. Good morning. Rarely do I have the opportunity to sing when I'm here, but this morning I thought, I'm going to sing a song. (laughs) Is it on? It will be? Oh, I got it. All right. How about a hand for the tech team, for the sound people and the lights and all that stuff? Nobody ever talks to him to him unless they're complaining. So, but I'm glad to be here. Sherry sends her love. She's watching online. Hey, baby, and uh, Sherry um, just recently um, she has a little thing she's been calling her inconvenience. On uh, September 5th, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and had surgery on September 30th. And uh, the good news is is that uh, they got it all and it's not coming back. So. But Sherry and I, we're starting on, we're embarking on our largest outreach of our minister. Our ministry will be 20 years old in March. And uh, we had this crazy idea, and you'll understand more about this idea as I, as I share in the message. But we had, I've had this, I've been threatening to do this for years, to, to write an entire music album of songs just about food. <laughs> and so I've done it. We're calling it I'm Hungry. 
And we're also, we have also, we're writing a cookbook as well. So we've got about 130, 130 recipes uh, that we've compiled. But so I've been getting to write songs about bacon and chicken. And in the song I'm going to sing, I even reference y'all because I talk about cheese. And uh, <laughs> so some friends, we were at some friends of ours house for uh, Easter Sunday and uh, they were all, all, they're a little older than us, but everybody, the conversation was all about diet. And I thought, man, this is lame, you know? And then it shifts, it shifts, and it shifts over to Sherry's world famous fried chicken. Because when Sherry and I first got married, she only knew how to cook two things, fried chicken and gravy. And, uh, and so they started talking about her fried chicken and I said, yeah, but Mama won't fry no chicken. So I said, wait a minute, I gotta write a song about that. Went to the doctor the other day. The doc said, boy, you got to quit eating that way. You got to cut out the cheese and the fried foods. I said, doc, what's a brother? supposed to do I went home and I told my wife she said baby you're gonna take his advice cuz we can't have you sick and feeling bad you're not gonna like this but don't be sad cuz mama won't fry no chicken mama won't fry no chicken there ain't gonna be no finger licking Cause mama won't fry no chicken But sometimes when I'm by myself I get tempted and I can't resist I drive by churches, Popeyes and KFC Then stop at Go Chicken Go To get a piece and sweet tea Because mama won't fry no chicken Mama won't fry no chicken There ain't gonna be no finger licking Cause mama won't fry no chicken Baby, your fried chicken is the best I've ever had And to live without it, it just makes me mad So get out the skillet, throw some dark meat in the pan And make me some gravy, I'll be a happy man But mama won't fry no chicken as the blues mama won't fry no chicken there ain't gonna be no finger licking because mama won't fry no chicken there you go some of y'all looking at me like what's that got to do with church let me sanctify it. Chicken is the gospel bird, just, just in case you didn't know that. So, so anyway, it's always a pleasure to be here. It's always a thrill for me to get the call to come to Celebration Church and to hang out with y'all. Sherry and I love you. We love this church. We love Mark and Deanna and the Gungers, and, and we're just glad to be here. I didn't bring any 
resources with me, any of my books or music, but I do have something that I'd like to give you. I have a series, a couple of series actually that I put together, they're online, they're on my website. The first one being targeted at us guys, and it's called How to Be a Spiritual Giant in 60 Seconds or Less. And there's a graphic up there, just take out your, your phone and take a picture of the screen and go to the website there, the revjb.com or jimmybratcher.com and just sign up and it'll start delivering it. You know, our self-confidence happens because we complete tasks and a lot of men are not comfortable in completing spiritual tasks. So I wanted to give us some things that we could do in less than 60 seconds that are spiritual and help build our self-confidence. Also on the website, there's another banner that's there when you first get there. It's a thing that I put together and I can't believe I'm saying this in Mark Gunger's church because I don't like to go to marriage seminars. <laughs> and it's called Couples Retreat in five minutes or less. So there's 28 components to it. You just sign up and it'll start delivering to your email. So those are all up there. We're just thrilled. We have some, I have some new music that's coming out uh, just in a, on, on November 29th. I have some new Christmas music. So be looking for that. So some killer stuff. And then we will be on tour throughout Christmas doing our annual Christmas tour in prison. We have 10 events to do during Christmas in a bunch of different uh, music venues and prison as well. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity for us to be together, Lord. May we be transformed today. May our thinking, may our minds be renewed. May our hearts be open. And Lord, when we leave here, may we be empowered to do the word today, not just hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd like to ask you a question today. What if you and I, every one of us, walked daily in the power of God? How would it change our world? What would our lives be like? Can you just imagine or dream about it? Wouldn't it be different about our lives? Well, see, I think we would face life differently if we expected his power to be with us everywhere. And I believe that we already do walk in the power of God, those of us that are believers. It's just that we sometimes don't recognize it because we look for the spectacular, for the supernatural. You know, as, as a church overall worldwide, we are so focused on results. But Jesus said the kingdom is as a seed. And a seed takes time and it's buried and we don't see it all the time. But I believe that we actually do walk in the power of God. So today, I want to help us discover what that looks like. And I want your expectation to be built so that when you go back out into your world today, that you expect the reality of the power of God to show up in your world. I've chosen as a text Colossians 127. Colossians 127 in the New Living Translation, and it reads like this. <clears throat> for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. Now, when he's talking to the Gentiles, he's talking to you and I. Say, he's talking to me. Say, he's talking to me. There you go. I'll get you going here in a minute. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. 
Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing in his glory. This is the secret. This is the mystery. This is the reality and the truth that Christ lives in you. Christ's presence in us changes everything about the presence that we carry in life. It's, we carry God's presence and it's just like the, the story in uh, Acts chapter five of Peter where they would bring sick people and they would lay them in the street so that Peter's shadow would cast on them. We have that same type of aura around us. You know how that works. You've been around people before. And, the, you know, you get around these people, it's like, man, that dude gives me the creeps. Why? Because he has that aura around him. But you and I, as believers, we have this aura of Christ because, after all, the Bible tells us that the secret, the mystery, is Christ in us. Sherry and I, we get asked all the time about our ministry and how to define it. And we came up with this definition just on a long time ago. We'll celebrate 20 years of our ministry in March. And, and we came up with this definition and people would say, tell us about your ministry. And we would always say, we have the ministry of showing up. And so do you say this with me. I have the ministry of showing up. And you say, ministry, I'm not ministry. Listen, God's desire has always been for all of us to be the carriers of his presence, right? God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, so he has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. We are those that are called. Moses went up to the mountain and God said, go down and get the people and bring them all up here to me because I want to speak to them face to face. But the people said, no, that's too scary. But you too have the ministry of showing up. And here's what I think makes up the ministry of showing up. Number one, to be yourself. Number two, in Christ. Number three, where you go, he goes. And number four, where he goes, stuff happens. It's really not that complicated, but it is simply complex. Number one, be yourself. Be yourself. What a powerful statement. It's the quest that we're all on. You see, God likes you the way that he made you. He does, completely unique. You are completely different from everyone else. But yet we try so hard and we spend so much time to try to conform to something other than the true authentic ourselves. So you see, being the true you is the best plan that God has for your life. Authenticity is really relevance. Authenticity equals relevance. You don't have to be hip. You don't have to be a hipster and be super cool. All you have to be is yourself. Just be the real you and you will always be relevant regardless of your age or how you dress. We become our, we, we become our true selves when we allow God to define us. <clears throat> That's what Jesus did. He allowed God to define him. My friend Jim Richards wrote this in his book, Leadership That Builds People. He said this, he, Jesus, did not read the word to try to become the son of God. He read the word to determine what it meant about him. 
So did many other Bible figures. John the Baptist is one of them. When the Pharisees came to him and said, who are you and what do you say about yourself? We need to allow God to define us. We need to be ourselves because that is the great fight in planet earth. That is the greatest spiritual battle that you will ever endeavor. It's what facilitated the fall of man. It wasn't around the act of disobedience of them taking the fruit and eating it. It was around the act of unbelief and mistrust that God actually created them in his image. You see, your identity is the thing that your enemy wants to fight against. He wants to get you to just not really believe that you are who God says you are. This happened in the New Testament with Jesus when he was, tempt when he was tempted. And the devil came to him and said, okay, if you are who you say you are, if you are the son of God, then prove it by your performance. Everything in temptation is about trying to get you to deny or mistrust the reality of how God created you and how he defines you. And when we come to this place of putting our trust in his definition, we become our true you. We become true to the reality of who we are. Number one, be, uh, be yourself. Number two, in Christ. The greatest ex human experience we can have is to experience the reality of being born again. No, uh, that's the pinnacle of human experience. Because the Bible tells us that we were dead. See, Jesus didn't come to make us better or to help us to behave better. He came to make us alive because we were dead. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 in the message says this. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is, the real, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. God came that Jesus came that he could remove the barriers so that we could actually be born again. We get a, a, another chance. We get the reality of God's DNA being in us. He makes us a new creature. Second Corinthians 5 17 says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature and old things pass away and all things become new. We have the reality of having God's DNA in us and we relate to him as our father. That's so cool. Number three, where he goes, where we go, he goes. With him in us, where we show up, he shows up. So where do you show up? You know, what places do you show up? I want you to get a picture of it in your mind right now because what will happen is, is that Things will try to come to make you believe that you are not really a carrier of the presence of God and that when you walk into a room that it's not even noticeable that you're carrying his presence. But the reality of it is it is and people are watching us where you show up. That's where he is. We need to be intentional. You know, most I've been a Christian now for almost 43 years. I can't believe I'm that old. I got saved when I was 22, which makes me 65, so you don't have to do the math. I'll just confess it. But a lot of that time, I spent cloistered. 
in Christian culture. I hung out with people that believed like me. I didn't go anywhere where there wasn't people that was just like me. I was cloistered. I was in that environment. We created a subculture. And it wasn't until I realized that when I go out into the other culture, the real culture, the big bad world, that there were actually people there that needed me to show up in their life. And it's so incredible. You need to show up and you need to be intentional about showing up. Number four, where he goes, stuff happens. Be ourselves in Christ where we go, he goes, and where he goes, stuff happens. What kinds of stuff? I like that word stuff in case you didn't know. All kinds of stuff. You never know what's going to happen when you show up. You see, everyone is looking for someone to show up in their life. Our world screams at us if we'll pay attention. I mean, the phenomena of social media is really, I mean, it all boils down to this. We want to be connected. We want to, we want to know people, we want to interact with people. It screams at us about that. That's why it's so hugely successful. And we are the relationship people. We are the people that has, we have this family. We actually have a family with a father that's not dysfunctional. Only one available. He's the only one that knows how to love us perfectly. And we have this family and the culture screams at us. We want a family. We want a family like your family. But we have to be ready to show up in that world. I believe it's like this. We need a people. We need from, uh, from the believers in the world. We need to have a prophetic movement. And prophecy, I'm not talking about some kind of goofy Old Testament, doom and gloom prophecy kind of person that's, you know, every time something, some calamity happens, some clown come, Christian clown comes out and says, that's the judgment of God. It's like, no, it isn't. God poured his wrath out on Jesus on the cross and said, I'm satisfied with that for planet Earth. But rather, we need a prophetic movement of people that are governed by the New Testament, the New Covenant definition of prophecy. It's found in 1 Corinthians 14.3. It defines prophecy in three particular, but three particular words. Here it is. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. We need people that are going to have a prophetic word in in our mouths, we're going to have a prophetic word in our mouth that when we show up with people, we actually have words that are edifying, that are exhorting. What's that mean? That we find that good in them and we begin to draw that good out by the words that we speak. I want you to think about this. I'm going to, I'm going to quote Mark Gunger on this one. Information plus emotion burns into your heart and it's there forever. Why? Because it's no longer information, it's a belief. And that's, that's the reality of what we're about. We are the people that are believers. And when we, when, you can remember every time, almost, I can't almost every time in my life when somebody spoke to me about something good in my life. I, I was in Texas, in Houston last weekend at a church and 
the children's pastor's wife came up to me and introduced herself. I hadn't met her yet. And she said, I'm a freshman high school teacher, English teacher. And my mind goes, bam, I go back, you know, back to my freshman year of high school. I was on a course of destruction. I was just moments away from, you know, ODing and dying or whatever. But I had this high school freshman English teacher and he saw something good in me. And I remembered it back all of those years. Why? Because it spoke, it was burned in my heart. And people all around you and I, they're waiting for us to show up with that kind of word in our mouth that looks in them and sees good and begins to speak to that good, edifying that good, exhorting that good, and then most of all, comforting. We should be the people that have the most comforting word to our culture. And that should absolutely create such an attraction to the reality of the presence of God. It's so incredible. I believe that it's the indefensible strategy of heaven. Love is the indefensible strategy of heaven. Sherry and I, we live in Kansas City, Missouri. And I am, I am on my food album. I'm declaring Kansas City to be the capital city of barbecue. Nobody's ever done it. So I'm just grabbing a hold of it. Hey, we just make this stuff up, right? I saw a guy the other day said he was the number one Christian life coach in America and somebody asked him where that came from. And he goes, I made it up. So, but we were at our favorite, one of our favorite barbecue places in Kansas City, Arthur Bryant's. And Arthur Bryant's is legendary Kansas City barbecue. In fact, when all the presidents come to Kansas City, that's where they go. They go to Arthur Bryant's. And a story, I don't know if it's true or not, so maybe it's a myth, but the story is, is that one time, uh, Jimmy Carter, when he was president, he came to Kansas City, was staying at the president's hotel, and the Secret Service called up Arthur Bryant's and got Arthur on the phone when he was still alive and said, Mr. Bryant, we're here with the president and Rosalind, and they would like to have some barbecue, and they would like for you to bring it over. And this, will, this next statement explains the attitude of Kansas City barbecue. And Arthur says, we don't deliver. <laughs> if he wants some barbecue, you bring him down here. And there's pictures of Jimmy Carter sitting in a restaurant. So, so we were there and I'd got it. Sherry likes, she likes Arthur Bryant's ribs. We always get a slab of ribs and split it. And, and I'm walking back to my table and I hear this voice behind me. And this voice says, I'd know that hair anywhere. And I turned around and here was this guy named Hal. We have a picture of Hal. And Hal began to tell me his story. He said, you probably don't remember me. He said, but I was incarcerated at Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary. And every Thanksgiving, you and your wife would come and you would be there and you would visit and encourage us. And he said, I got out a couple of years ago and got a job and and now I'm the manager of Arthur Bryant's. And it just did my heart so good to know that I don't have anything special, no more than you do. We both carry the presence of Jesus, but we just showed up and he showed up and stuff happened. One more story, maybe. I'll, I reserve the right to change my mind. I was on a motorcycle trip in Mississippi. A friend of mine wanted to go 
to visit all the historic blues sites in Mississippi because all of blues music and really the origins of rock and roll all came from just a few counties in, in Mississippi, Cahoma County being the, the biggest one, Clarksdale, Mississippi. So we're on our motorcycles and we pull into Clarksdale and we don't have a plan. We stop at a stop sign and, and we're talking and we said, well, let's just pull over here and we'll look. And we got, he had a book and we were going to figure out where we were going. And, and this old gnarly guy in a pickup truck with a rebel flag and a gun rack in the back of it pulls up and says, are you boys here to look at my town? His name's Doc. We got a picture of Doc and El Lori, Sherry. And Doc... We, I didn't realize it, but then I turned and looked, and here was a monument that marked this intersection as the Crossroads. And the Crossroads is a legendary place in, in blues music where men go to sell their soul to the devil. And people from all over, it's crazy, people from all over the world come to Clarksdale because they want to have a transaction with the devil. The most famous of those is a guy named Robert Johnson, and Robert Johnson was this marginal guitar player and he went to the crossroads supposedly and had a transaction with the devil. His influence is so much in American music. Just a few years ago, Eric Clapton did a tribute album to Robert Johnson called Me and Mr. Johnson. But we started talking to Doc and Doc found out I was a blues guitar player. And a few months later, he emails me and says, you know, he says, I've been appointed the chairman of the first ever blues festival to be held at the crossroads. And I want you to be the first band that we book to, to, to be on the bill. Clarksdale Press Register prints an article and they close the article by saying, if the Reverend Jimmy Bratcher would have been at the crossroads, Robert Johnson wouldn't have sold his soul to the devil. I said, come on with some of that. So we went down and played the festival, got to play at Morgan Freeman's Blues Club there, Ground Zero, and, and it was interesting. The sound guy was a young man, and, and we just connected, you know? We just showed up. I'd never had anything happen like that before. I just showed up there. I'd never played in a bar before. It was my first time. And I'm, I'm doing this one song, and I, and I, got, a, I got a couple of minutes, so I'll, I'll elaborate. I'm doing this one song where I'm screaming, Jesus, Jesus, will you take me just as I am? And I didn't know what was going to happen when I said that. I didn't know the reaction I was going to get from these big, bad sinners. And all of a sudden, I hear chairs moving. I'm like, oh, no, they're coming to get me, you know? <laughs> and they all stand up and begin to applaud because his name was mentioned in that place. But the sound man came to me and he said, you know, he said, he said, I, I watched you today and I watched how you treated your band members. And my son Jason was with us on that trip. And he said, and I watched how you interacted and treated your son. He said, I just want you to know this. You have given my shattered faith hope. And it was such a remarkable thing. Doc's wife, El Lori, she, uh, she sent me an email a few months after that. And she said, you know, Doc's never been interested in the things of God until you showed up. And now he is. A couple of years ago, he passed away. And I had the assurance of knowing 
that because we showed up, something happened, stuff happened. Now, I want to make sure and make this real clear in just the next few, few seconds that I have. You have the ministry of showing up. You're going to leave here. You're going to go out into Green Bay or wherever you're going today. And you're going to be with people. And you're going to show up. <clears throat> and you're carrying his presence. You have that aura like Peter did. You're, the, you're the, literally the, the character of God representing to that wherever you are. It's not for ministry to do. It's for us to do. And it's the most fun that you'll ever have as a believer is to just show up in someone's life and to just be there and to love them and to serve them and to bless them. We serve a God that is the good God, always good. We serve a God that his goodness being seen is so powerful that it can change a person's mind. Because the Bible tells us it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance or to have a change of mind. The gospel is the good news. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 9:11, is the high priest of the good things to come. And we get to be those people that get to take this joy this enthusiasm, this reality of God's not mad, he's not angry, he's not looking to punish, he's looking to forgive, he wants to love every person. It's his will that no one would perish, that, that everyone would come and experience the reality of this father that loves perfectly. And we get to be engaged in that by just simply showing up. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity Lord, may we show up in people's lives today and this week, wherever we are and from this moment on. And Lord, may we be those that represent Jesus in such a way that it makes a difference in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.